0: You're listening to 50% Facts,
1: the show where we try to answer specific questions on an individual topic. And then at the end, we bring in an expert to give you the real answers. I'm Jim McDonald. And I'm Mike Farr. Welcome to our show. Ladies and gentlemen, 50% Facts. Welcome to 50% Facts. Episode one. Episode uno. The beginning. The very beginning. We're the gonna, new beginning. We're going to try to uh, entertain you. We're going to try to inform you. We're going to try to take you on this journey of fitness and, and wrap it up. Maybe fitness, uh, fitness extended, fitness extended. Yeah, it's fitness adjacent. So, so maybe we'll get into business things, uh, personal things, relationship things, sex things. Yeah, we'll talk uh, sex. And basically, what we're going to get into is is me and Jim McD. We've been around the block in the fitness game. Jim McDee's a little bit older. Me, he has experience in life things. He's got life experiences. I think. I think for a thirty, I've lived a a pretty uh, experienced full life. So we're gonna try to share our lack of knowledge, exactly, and then we're gonna bring in a real expert and get you some some solid answers on whatever topic specific or semi broad that we're covering for the episode for the day. Get you learned, get you entertained, and we're going to try to pick experts, not only by, by the, the question, obviously, but we're going to try to pick experts that, one, that we like and enjoy, two, that we think are real experts, and three, that, right. that aren't um,
0: fuddy-duddies. Exactly. And this isn't about what we know, unlike most podcasts. This is about what we don't know and what we're trying to find out. Uh, I think that they, over the time that we've worked together, we've discovered that a lot of, a lot of the time we know, really know, about half of what we think we know. I was, <laughs> I was texting somebody the other day about about something, about ex- an experience that I had, and I was trying to describe it in such a way, and I came up with this word that I was going to use, and I thought, hang on, I don't know if I'm using that word right. Like, I use that word all the time, but I don't know if I'm really using it right. And I was using it f- to someone who has, is very precise about their language, and I thought, I'm going to screw this up, yeah, and they're going to think less of me forever.
1: You're going to get got.
0: Yeah, exactly, and I don't want to do that. So uh, I actually looked it up, and it, w- it meant... Pretty much exactly the opposite of what I thought. Yeah. yeah. That's how it goes.
1: And even in fitness, you know, I, we've both been in fitness for, fitness for a long time as coaches and lifters and whatever, consultants, whatever it might be. But even within that, fitness is so broad. You know, I have I have like, I, I can ex- explain something in like half of why. I can't always explain the why. Right. You know, like, oh, you dig into nutrition. Like, I'm no toxicologist. I'm no doctor. <laughs> okay. I just learn from the best and I know how to apply things, mm. but not always like the, the
0: scientific why. Yeah. Not, not really so much the theory. Behind it, and I mean, I've been around for a long time, and and thoughts have changed about for sure. about stuff over over time. Uh, I think that we can always we can only go by what is the most well accepted thing at that moment, right? And any, know? any scientist we have on here is
1: going to probably say similar things, like, right? As of right now, it looks like so and so is true,
0: right? And I think that um, over the course of this, probably probably early in the show here, we'll talk to somebody about how to look at. Research when you see studies come up and uh, figure out whether or not you have any confidence in them or not, because a lot of stuff hits the news stream that uh, is misinterpreted by the people who are writing articles or is misrepresented by people who have a particular point of view. And uh, if you when you actually look at the study. You can say this is meaningful to me, or it doesn't mean anything at all. Yeah, or almost the opposite. Where I know, like, uh, normal people would be like, "Oh, well, that study
1: was run on mice. I'm a human. That doesn't work." But actually, like, a lot of things that work on mice work on us or rats uh where where there's a more more um more similarities and the differences uh you know in our biochemistry or whatever uh when you run a study on a rat so it's actually fairly valid right uh, and and inhumane to run it on humans sorry for those rat people out there that love rats (laughs) so what have you been doing mike today uh i was trying to look i had the day set up i I, i'm i'm a, a half organized i've done a lot we got a lot to talk about I'm half organized, right? So, like, I'll plan two days ahead and I have like hour ish gaps. I don't write it down. It's all mental. Mm. I'm pretty good with numbers and I just, okay, that way. I don't have like a schedule, but I was like, all right, so we're going to record around noon today, Uh, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to try to uh, stream. I've been Twitch streaming. I'm going to try to stream at 5 p.m., which leaves us a nice gap to finish all this up, hang out, have a coffee, whatever. I was like, all right, so if I get up at eight or nine, I'll get my breakfast. I just started uh, dieting a little bit harder. I'll hit the gym. Come back, shower. I've been, um, I made a, uh, uh, I actually stole it from Bart Kwan, but he made a resolution to wear more real clothes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I love clothes and I like fashion. I was like, yeah, I need that resolution. Like, I feel a little bit better taking care of yourself in all ways. Like, I like a nice haircut, a nice, I like shave. Like, mm-hmm. I, I feel good that way. I was like, I'm going to do that. And I was like, well, if I'm going a recording, I'm definitely going to do that because I want to feel better, right? right? Get in the mood. Woke up to an email saying, uh, I'm going to put him on blast. Comcast. Comcast was charging me extra because I went over my data usage. And this is home internet, not my phone. Right. I was like, I've never in my 30 years on this planet heard of home internet being capped. And I I mean, I assumed it's a thing somewhere. And so I get on the stupid chat with them on the computer. I'm talking to Steven, yeah, you sucker, <laughs> for an hour, and he's not doing anything. And he's like, "Well, it's $50 if you want unlimited. $50 more." I'm already uh. paying like 80. But I looked at everybody else, and 81, uh, they never told me it was unlimited or capped. Right. And so I was like, look, bro, you never even mentioned this. Like, not in my uh, contract and not when Fine I- Fine print? Maybe. And I was like, and no one just like, just casually mention it. Like, just be a normal human, right? And I know business does not work work that way, and big companies aren't moral, but I thought they would tell me. And then uh, and then I was like, hey, like your competitors, uh, 80 unlimited, and I did look. AT&T unlimited for, uh-huh. for the same price, same speed. Uh, and t- he's talking all this mess. He's like, all right, well, you have. Um, and then he starts being vague with me. I was like, bro, you're sketch. I was like, all right, well, when can I when can I cancel? And he's like, well, you have thirty days. And he's like, from this point and this point. And he's like, and you're almost a month in. I was like, almost a month. You said almost a month, and then you said thirty days. Like, which one is it? And how many days till I can cancel? And then he finally gave me a date. And he's like, whatever, you know, November you, this. You could cancel. I said, like, okay okay. okay he's like let's upgrade you to the unlimited and then you still have time to cancel i said okay that's fine for now like charge me the 50 bucks and i can still cancel within whatever the next couple weeks and then he's like oh and you get free streaming tv for a month i was like look bro not my first time around the block i know you're gonna charge me for that the the one month after it's free right i said i want no tv upgrade my internet leave me alone (laughs) and then he's like well you'll have the free internet Or the free streaming TV, and then you can just come back and cancel. I said, pal, it's not my job to come back to you to cancel a service that I don't want in the first place. Right. I'm telling you right now, I don't want it. Get it off my thing, because I'm going to get this fat bill, and I'm going to be real pissed. Right now, I'm already frustrated. I'm using all these keywords, too. Like, sir, I am very frustrated. (laughs) I'm talking to your competitor. Yeah. You're overcharging me. Right. I I even said scam. Like, uh, trying to throw this guy like, bro, I'm being real. <clears throat> and then, as soon as he, he's like, okay, well, we'll do that for you, and I'll make it so the TV doesn't happen. I was like, okay. And then mid-chat, my internet in the whole house goes down. Okay, pal. I don't know if you're playing games. I don't know if you're resetting something. <laughs> I don't know what's the fuck's... And I was on a business call at the same time. So, I'm multitasking. I'm talking to this idiot from Xfinity while I'm business calling on my phone, or excuse me, through my computer, through Discord, on my uh-huh. headphones. So, I'm, I'm doing all this stuff, and then the, everything shuts down. So, I'm before throwing my laptop through the window... I go to Xfinity on my phone and I call the lady and then she gets a little mouthy with me. I'm like, look, ma'am, I've been on the phone for an hour and a half. We got nothing settled. All I want to know is why is my shit capped? How do I not make it capped? Right. And why is your thing $50 more than AT&T for the exact same everything? And she said, well, our service is the fastest. When you get fastest internet, you can't have all of it. I'm like, that doesn't logically make sense to me. Leave me alone. Get the hell out of here. And then she's like, well... Uh, I was like, how long is this going to take? Like, I have somewhere to go. It was 1130. Uh, I was going to ride my bike over here, uh, and I couldn't because it's late. She's like, well, maybe 10, 20, 30 minutes. I was like, I don't have time. She's like, well, I'll reset it, and then you can call back. I'm like, Bitch, I'm not trying to call back later. Like, "Whoo!" <laughs> <laughs>
0: I hate that. Well, uh, I can tell you that when, uh, you know, Will, when Will was living at our at our house last year, um, he was streaming yeah. from the house. And he hit the data cap like two months in a row. Yeah, and we're they two weeks t- in. They give you oh shit. See, yeah, that didn't happen. Yeah. It, w- it was closer to the end. But he was streaming. He wasn't streaming every day, but he was streaming at a really, really high frame rate. These are all topics that we could cover on the show. Honestly, personal finances, insurance is personal finance. I'm I'm looking yeah. at I'm looking at uh, liability umbrellas right now. So that's a
1: yeah. Yeah, I know nothing. That that's the kind of shit they should teach you in school. And that's maybe what we'll cover.
0: Yeah, shit they should have taught you and you never learned. <laughs> Things you should know by this point in your life, yeah, you, you don't can do, know. You can do long division with a pencil, but I got a calculator. Yeah,
1: but you can't, I don't know how to buy, uh, how, how you not how you know you're not getting scammed by insurance or internet or something. Yeah. How to deal with people, how to be a nice person.
0: Yeah. They don't teach you that in a normal school either. No, they don't teach you that stuff. Anyway, so part of the idea of this show is that we're doing a short show, show covering one particular question. Yeah. You know, something really specific, something granular, something that bite-size even so that you can find it. You go to this and you listen to a few minutes of us bullshitting and then you can hear us talk about something that we may or may not know anything about and then you hear an expert tell you what you need to know and remember. So... little take-home piece. Take-home. Take-home piece. Absolutely. So we're talking about protein. Yeah. What is As it? episode one. What is protein? And I... I I purposely didn't look anything up. Yeah, I'm not anything to that, up. I'm I'm never going to look it up. So, um, okay. So when you're talking about meal planning, you say, yeah. okay, some veggies and a protein. Yeah, it's the most so, popular
1: thing right now. Everyone knows the term macronutrient now, or, or like, yeah. everyone's talking about it. Or, or even even before that, in the '90s, right? Like. Uh, the the USA comes out and tells you the little food pyramid and tells you what to eat. And and they say, you know, but they don't, the recommended doses are under in my opinion, but yeah, Mm -hmm. they say, get your protein in lean protein. Lean protein is a, a buzzword of the internet. You eat, eat a lean protein. Yeah. And then some mixed veggies or something. All I know is macronutrients, we're talking carbs, fat, protein, alcohol, if you want to get it in there, they're, they're what make up the calories that we eat. Right. I know this much. I know that protein uh, you know, helps, me, helps me get jacked uh, through what pathway mm, uh, you start to lose me, you know? I, I, something to do with nitrogen. There you go. There's a nitrogen balance. I learned all this too. I haven't been in college in ten years, but I took a, a bunch of nutrition classes. I took the general nutrition that mm-hmm. most people take. Mm-hmm. I took like a sports nutrition. I took like a performance nutrition. And then obviously we've talked to a bunch of really smart people over the years about it, but they don't even dig in because again, like the why is good to know sometimes, but it's not always necessary to create change in the broad scheme of America's too fat.
0: Right. And then okay, we're talking about dietary protein here too. Like yeah, I know you yeah. can do you can do protein. Uh, with not animals. Yeah, beans. Legumes. Right. Uh, Bean, be, but it, is that a popular call? No, uh, yeah, what the... F-
1: hey, we're recording our first episode. It's just Obama. He just wants to get on. The episode got real popular. He's just I like, no, I better hop I on the same I have no idea who cool. that is. I have
0: no clue who that is. A 650 area code. Anyway, I don't know why that's up either, but anyway, it's one of those things. Um, where was I? Okay, so... Yeah. So, not animal protein, dietary protein. You can do it with plants. Yeah, bugs. Oh, uh, bugs considered bugs? An animal? Uh, insect. Depending on the vegan you're talking to. Yeah, exactly. But are those? I keep. I'm. I'm. I'm stuck on this. Like, is it a complete protein thing? Oh yeah yeah yeah. So, so I don't so, know what that means.
1: So that has to do with the um, amino acid profile. There's uh, EAA's essential amino acids. And then a branch-chain amino acids is the, is the common term just because people use it as supplements. So uh-huh. I, I, there's there's essential amino acids, and I can't quote them, but there's a certain amount like leucine, this, that, and the other. And when you get them all together, that makes a complete protein. Um, I don't know how many. Eight? I'm throwing out that there's eight. Our guest is going to know for sure. He's a genius. But I, I believe there's eight essential amino acids. And when you get them all in one bite, now you got a complete protein. And, and, and they are only in in one bite uh-huh. in animal protein.
0: But you can you can throw things together, hence beans and rice, and get okay. all of them. Okay. So, yeah, because beans and rice are the only, uh, the one that always comes to mind. But yeah, like,
1: that's the common deal. Uh, and, yeah.
0: And isn't that like the most common cheap meal all the way around the world? I think some so, too. Some kind
1: of bean, some kind of rice. Yeah, yeah, and, and it tastes fine. It tastes good. But then the issue there is if, you know – not to go off because we don't know what the hell we're talking about. But if you're talking about like being a bodybuilder and you're trying to get a gram of protein per pound of body weight, it's going to be real hard from beans and rice. Yeah. Rather than like you eat three steaks a day, you're above it. Okay. So yes, you can get it from beans and rice and you could probably get enough to live. So why do we need protein? So macronutrients, I believe protein and fat are the only ones that are essential. Meaning if you don't eat carbs or excuse me if you don't eat protein or fat you die because protein is what makes up uh, our physical sense right our fingernails our mm-hmm. skin our hair our our, our our you know we're regenerating cells 24/7 and I believe every seven years you get a
0: complete new uh, body reboot <laughs> new body I know that in, in like this is a this is off the side here but I think that like it takes like 30 or 40 years and you completely replace like your like your bone structure Oh I didn't know bones But yeah That's know, why like, people look different In their 40s Than they huh. did in their Even if they're The same weight They look yeah, different Yeah Because yeah. they're They're Body made a copy of their skull.
1: Yeah, and their in their protein. Yeah, the pro because your protein's regenerating everything because right. of the nitro balance. If you have a positive nitro balance, you're going to be uh, having enough protein to regenerate everything, rather than a negative nitro balance. And that depends on how much protein you ingest. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, it's the building blocks of everything we do. It is essential because otherwise, yeah, your hair will start falling out, your skin will look weird if you're not eating uh, any protein. And uh, I know it's harder to store as fat. It is possible with glycolysis, which means like mm-hmm. when we don't have glycogen and you're not eating carbs. Uh, you, you you can store some adipose tissue, some fat, uh, body fat, uh, with protein, but it's unlikely to happen because of some fancy chemistry that I forgot.
0: That's all I know. Um, <laughs> another one. This went to okay. Another uh th- thing that I'm thinking about is okay. Somebody's on a keto diet. I know that if you're if you eat too much protein on a keto diet, you can kick yourself out of ketosis because your body will turn. Some amount of the... I don't know this, but I believe this is... Yeah, yeah, glycolysis. So it turns into into, um, glucose off of uh,
1: excess protein. Yeah, and then you might spike your insulin, and then you might get out of ketosis. Which is why
0: ketogenic diets are fat-based diets as opposed to... yeah protein or, or yeah, a carb really. yeah
1: yeah yeah. yeah which, which which is and i think scientifically which we can ask our, our genius friends as well not proven to be that for the healthy individual not proven to do anything special right right because like your body is constantly it's made to release insulin and not release insulin like we have checks and balances in our body for these things anyways right right like if we weren't made to eat carbs then our body wouldn't have insulin and when you ate a, a apple you'd die Like, our body's made to to process these things. Right, right. uh, right. And so... It's okay that your insulin goes up, and that's kind of some of these arguments for keto. We're like, oh, your insulin's going up and down all day, and your blood sugar's going up and down all day. We're like, I, I, I think that's what my body's made to do is regulate
0: my shit. I think it does that anyway. I right. don't know that for sure, but yeah. I think that that's the case. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's a different
1: thing too. Where you look like, hopefully, you and I, it's on us, our responsibility to choose the right expert for the right question. Because, mm-hmm. like, you look at a toxicologist and they start talking about nutrition, or, or you look at like a, a a certain type of doctor and they start talking about exercise. Mm. Uh, there's a big difference between like chronic uh what happens chronically in your mm-hmm. body and what happened acutely in your body because like you work out uh, exercise raises your blood pressure right acutely right exercise lowers your blood pressure chronically, chronically right, right. And so like oh I could I could pull some study somewhere and, and it's like oh lifting weights is bad for you raises your blood pressure and we all know raised blood <laughs> pressure is bad right like, <laughs> Right. and people do that not not that uh, exaggerated of a topic but people will do that with different little uh Uh, carbs going in your system or alcohol going in your Mm -hmm. system like oh well alcohol you lose all your gains when you drink alcohol because what they're looking at is acutely but chronically
0: you have a beer here and there you can still make some fitness goals right right okay so we have chosen an expert for our first three episodes covering the major macronutrient groups uh and we're going to talk to eric helms
1: yeah eric helms the man the myth the legend so he has a PhD in, I believe it's exercise science. I believe that you're correct <clears throat> because exercise science. Uh, I believe there's only one school in all of Northern uh, America that offers an exercise science degree, and it's like Tennessee or something random. Um, so he moved to New uh, New Zealand yeah. to get the best education he can, where they also, I believe, have some kind of academy for like strength training. Uh-huh. Um, so I know he coached there, he learned there. Um, he has a PhD. I believe his 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 is a thesis. Whatever the fancy thing, I dropped out of college. I don't know, right? Fifty percent, but I believe his thesis is uh, he studied um, how much protein is optimal or or necessary um, while you're dieting for like bodybuilding uh, mm-hmm. to retain uh, majority of your muscle. So I believe that's what he studied, okay. um, which goes right in the line. What the hell we're talking about? Um, he's a pro natural bodybuilder. Uh, uh, he weightlifts for funsies, um, but power lifts competitively. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's coached. Some of the best athletes on the planet in, in strength sports, bodybuilding, um, powerlifting, etc. So the guy is, is one of my favorite because he has all aspects of what I think it takes to be an expert. He has like the, the old school education. Mm-hmm. He has the experience because he's been coaching people for years. And he has the application of himself uh, going through all the processes.
0: Yeah. And I think that um, speaking of protein requirements, I think that there was a a study that came out pretty recently about how uh, as people age, they actually need more protein. And that in the past, they've said don't overfeed protein as you get older because your kidneys get tired and they don't want to. But apparently you retain more muscle mass. If you, This is a study. I don't sure. know. I, we, look, we didn't we do any research Eric. here. We can, we can ask, ask, Eric. ask Eric if he knows anything about that.
1: Yeah. Some of that makes sense, too. Like, if, if your kidneys are healthy, they should be fine handling that, right? Right. As long as you're not eating 600 grams of protein. And then, two, uh, your body's probably a little uh, less efficient at, at restoring the, the building blocks, right? Your hair, your skin, or whatever. So, why wouldn't you eat a little bit more? Help that process. Right. Makes sense. It makes so logical it. sense. We're going to try to take all these real experts to try to make, hey, that seems logical or not, which a lot of people don't do, right? Like, right. if you look at some of the 90s, like, fads or whatever, and like... Like, oh, yeah, that's logical. Like, no, that b- bitch, that's not logical. Like, why, why would we even <laughs> say that or do that? Why would you listen to that? Just think clearly. Like, think for yourself a little bit, a little bit of critical thinking. You're like, yeah. nah, I'm not going to do that. That doesn't make sense. Right. Exactly. All right. Shall we um, bring up our expert? Eric, we're coming, buddy.
0: First topic is protein.
1: Dietary, Dietary
2: protein.
0: Dietary protein. Before we get started, though, just kind of give us a, a, just a capsule about who you are.
2: For sure. So yeah, I'm I'm basically just a muscle nerd. I started out uh, lifting weights back in 2004, really fell in love with it, and uh, found it was a way to really take me out of a dark time. Uh, And I wanted to pursue that in every avenue of my life. Became a competitive natural bodybuilder in 2007, powerlifter in 2006, personal trainer in 2005, and then just kind of pushed each one of those as far as I could and um, started a collective of coaches and uh, content creators called 3D Muscle Journey along with my four partners back in 09. Uh So basically now what I do is I'm a, um, uh, ed- an educator and a researcher in the area of bodybuilding and powerlifting science and nutrition and training. Um, and I'm a coach and I'm an athlete still myself and I just try to help people have sustainable careers and, and uh, really enjoy the process while also reaching high level performance.
0: Awesome, and you're you're competing in what right now?
2: So yeah, I've done about twenty powerlifting meets in my in my my span of time, a couple of weightlifting meets that I didn't do very well in, and uh, and then I've done about nine natural bodybuilding shows, and I'll be getting back on stage next year in 2019. The nice. return of the speedo. That's right. <laughs> I'm exactly. Excited. The I'm trunks. Excited. The trunks are going to be donned again.
0: And most of us are just not capable of being good at every single thing. So you don't feel bad about the weightlifting thing. <laughs> oh,
2: thank
0: you. Yeah. <laughs> Two out of three is not bad. So I'll take it. Yeah. So the premise of this show is, is that um, we talk about a particular question. Uh, basically, we try to cover the things that we think we know about a topic. And then we talk to an mm. expert like yourself. And we get straightened out. We get like, basically the best current thinking about whatever particular thing. So our, our first three questions, we're going to cover somewhat individually. Uh, the question number one, however, is what is protein, especially dietary protein?
2: For sure. So protein is one of the three macronutrients. It's one of the main calorie providers in our diets. So when we look at foods, um, the things that actually provide energy that are their constituent parts are either carbohydrates, fats, or protein. Uh, and each one of these has various roles in our body. We are largely made up of protein. So proteins are built up of amino acids, um, and they are the building blocks of life. Uh, so uh, protein is something that's important in our diet. Um, protein is the only of the three macronutrients that contains nitrogen, uh, if we want to get down to, the, down to the nitty-gritty of it on the periodic table. Um, and uh, it's something that we primarily get through foods like meats, uh, dairy, Uh, You'll also find it in many grains. So if you're a vegetarian, you'd be getting it from, say, lentils or soy, um, various other sources. But um, yeah, protein is present in in the diet, uh, and most people consume a fair amount of it. Uh, You can express it as a percentage of calories, or you can express it, which I think is probably better, uh, related to your body mass. uh, Because since we primarily use carbohydrates and fat for fuels, I think it makes more sense for us to quantify protein in our diet relative to our own body mass since the amount we need to eat is also relative to our body mass since it is actually what we're made of.
1: What if we uh, don't eat protein?
2: Protein. If you don't eat protein at all, you will have some some pretty bad nutritional uh, deficiencies. Uh, You'll start to uh, have issues. uh, These are almost never happening in the Western world. Uh, unless someone has like an eating disorder or something like that. But you will see in, in countries that uh, are, are much less well-off than us, things like kwashiorkor, uh, uh, there's some other nutritional deficiencies that are related to protein. But essentially, it causes a lot of problems. Uh, your body can't function that well, and it can eventually you know lead to death after you've had some pretty painful and uncomfortable deficiencies occurring in your body.
0: So that gives you that uh, really distended belly? Mm-hmm. Okay. I've heard of that. Yeah, so uh, we we had a question about the completeness of protein. You gave us some uh, some non animal sources. Were those all complete, or do you need to combine you know one food substance and another food substance to get a complete protein? Yeah, what's a complete protein?
2: Good question. Yeah, so when we you'll hear in the nutrition realm a complete protein, and that just means that it has all of the essential amino acids. So, I mentioned earlier that proteins are built up of amino acids, but different uh, protein sources have different configurations of these amino acids. And humans can't uh, make every single amino acid in their own body. So, typically, what defines an essential versus a non essential nutrient in our body is it's essential if we need to get it from our diet, if we can't make it on our own. So, that means that in our total diet, we need to have enough of the essential amino acids so that we, uh, we are, we're healthy and we can meet all of our needs in the body. Um, and we can make all of the non-essential amino acids from other combinations of things and going through various processes in our body. So a complete protein is just something that has all of the essential amino acids and enough uh, content or amount. So when you have proteins that are incomplete, which like you kind of intoned there, are most of the time from vegetable sources and non-meat or non-dairy sources, um, but not always, then you, the the idea is that you would combine them with other uh, proteins that, that might be complementary to one another. So if, if you're a vegetarian and you took a nutrition class, you'd probably pay attention when they said, hey, you need to be eating complementary proteins to make sure you cover your bases from essential amino acids, something like rice and beans, because they actually work well together. Um However, I think a better perspective is you don't need to do this at the, like the per-meal level. It's more about over the whole course of the day. Uh, it's not like if you have a single meal where you're not getting all your essential amino acids, some alarm the goes off and you have trouble. It's more like in the course of your whole diet, if you are, say, a vegan or a vegetarian, you want to make sure that you're getting a good mixture of plant-based proteins and reaching your target for the day to cover those bases. Um, But there are complete proteins out there, like soy as an example, and some that are really close to being complete, like pea protein, for example, has a very similar profile to whey, but it is just short on a few essential amino acids. So sometimes uh, you you might might have heard of uh, quote-unquote vegan's whey, which is like a blend of 70% pea protein, 30% rice protein, and uh, that in isolate has almost the exact same or very similar amino acid profile to whey protein.
0: So it's, but it's harder if you're a vegan or a vegetarian to, um, to meet your protein requirements. Is that is that what you're saying? That you have to be more mindful of that in your diet.
2: I would say you need to be a little more educated, and you need to be more mindful. You have to pay more attention. You know, uh, the average uh, Westerner who is going to just eat three meals per day is going to hit probably around their protein requirements and get essential uh, proteins, just because they they normally have meat at, at both lunch and dinner. So that, that happens almost automatically. But if you are a vegan, you do have to pay a little more attention. And it also makes some things a little harder. You're it your macronutrient ratio a bit. Like to get to a higher protein diet typically requires a higher carbohydrate diet, which is not necessarily a problem, as typically vegetarian diets are also lower in fat. So overall calorie balance is, is kind of a wash. But you do have to pay more attention. If you want to be into fitness and a vegetarian, you have to be a little more protein-seeking. It'll probably require a shake or two throughout the day.
1: You mentioned end uh, of fitness, and, and the three of us are, are meatheads trying to get a bigger deadlift and, and bigger traps. So the requirement for or, or, or what we might need to uh, take in to be optimal is a little bit different from the regular person's requirement, yeah? And I think that's something uh, you studied pretty in-depth. What's just maybe general guideline for for the average person to get some protein in and then the general guideline for someone trying to get swole to get
2: in? Absolutely. Great question. So, yeah, there's differences between uh, requirements and then what, like you said, might optimize performance or optimize muscle gain or help you maintain maximum muscle mass if you're trying to diet down. And that is a big, big focus of my research. Um, And there's different ways to answer this question depending on how you tackle it. Like most sports nutrition guidelines are kind of borrowing from the public health, and they're looking at a measure called nitrogen balance. And if you recall earlier, I mentioned how protein is the only macronutrient that contains nitrogen. So measuring whether or not you're retaining or losing nitrogen and how much protein you need to maintain a a positive nitrogen balance is one way that we can assess what's the minimal amount of protein you need to not be losing body nitrogen. And if you look at that measure in just the general population, you can eat as low as, say, 0.8 grams per kilogram, which is a very small amount of protein. Uh, For the American listeners, we're talking about uh, 80 grams of protein for someone who weighs 220 pounds. But that's more like the minimal amount you need to not have a nutritional deficiency if you're not active. That's not exactly how do I get jacked and swole. So fortunately, uh, we did a meta-analysis, which is a study of all the various studies on the topic. So it's kind of like a, a meta-study a of studies. And we looked at every study where they controlled protein intake and put people in a calorie surplus or maintenance and had them try to put on as much strength or muscle mass as they could. And we found there was a break point right around 0.7 grams per pound. Uh, and then we kind of used a confidence interval, which is just a probabilistic way of going, you know, we don't know for sure, but to be safe, here's the range where we think, you know, you're, you're not going to get any more benefit past for gaining muscle or putting on strength. And basically 0.7 to 1 gram per pound is right where that that, 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 that that benefit starts to go away. So if you're eating more than, say, a gram per pound of protein, you might enjoy your diet more. It might make you a little more satiated, which could make it easier to stick to your total calorie content for the day, but it's probably not going to benefit you as far as gaining muscle mass or strength.
1: And that's for uh, uh, maybe a bulk or, or a diet, a cut?
2: We don't have great data on if you're dieting, what do you need? I think there is a decent theoretical reason that you might need a higher protein intake while dieting um, just because uh, we see that the muscle protein synthesis response to protein uh, goes down a little bit when you're in a calorie deficit. And Then we have other data that when you're really lean, so if we're talking about bodybuilders or let's say you're a a powerlifter or an Olympic weightlifter trying to cut to a lower weight class where you actually have to be pretty lean to compete, in lean individuals, you also see higher levels of muscle protein breakdown um, when when you're in a deficit. So that could be an argument for perhaps needing more protein, but we don't have enough studies that are comparing, say, that range I just gave for gaining, say, 0.7 to 1 gram per pound to a higher amount to really be conclusive on that. But I would say to be safe, I think there's nothing wrong with going as high as, say, 1.2, 1.3 grams per pound if you are dieting. Uh, You don't want to go too high, though, because it can eat into your carbs and fat, uh, and that'll basically take away from your uh, your energy stores, which obviously you want to have good training sessions to maintain muscle mass, so you have to find that that nice balance.
0: So I think I saw something recently, a study about um, as people age, they actually need more protein, which has, I guess been somewhat counterintuitive because they were concerned about um, uh, kidney function and uh, mm-hmm. overwhelming kidneys with uh, with too much protein, but that a higher gram per pound of protein helps older adults maintain muscle mass. Is that you, Have you encountered that at all?
2: Yeah. So there's, there's a few different angles on this. Uh, so there's been some observational research where they've seen that you know better maintenance of muscle mass and uh, a reduction in all-cause mortality is present in individuals that's correlated, not necessarily stating it's causative with higher protein intakes. Uh, and that's observational research. So that's interesting. And then we also have what I would describe as mechanistic research, uh, where you're looking at the actual um, short-term in a lab mechanistic response at like a biological level of protein uh, in the cell. And we see that muscle protein synthesis, uh, which is the process of making new protein or building muscle, is blunted a bit uh, in people who are elderly. And you can, But you can get the same muscle protein synthesis response you might get in a younger individual if you feed a higher dose of protein. So I would say there's a, a decent argument for eating more protein or ensuring you maintain a high protein intake as you age, um, and this is something that uh, elderly people do struggle with. Uh, sometimes they'll just, just kind of lose their appetite, uh, not eat as much, and they also get less active. So it can be kind of a double whammy, which is a big part of sarcopenia, uh, which means you know losing muscle mass as you age. Mm. Um, so you know preventing sarcopenia and and you know, maintaining muscle muscle force and muscle size is really important for health in the elderly. Um, but like you brought up, uh, is there a concern of high protein intakes in the elderly with declining kidney function as someone ages? And I think probably not, so long as they bo- as this individual we're, we're hypothetically talking about has both functioning kidneys. Uh, because the amount you have to take in to really start to cause stress to the kidneys is actually a lot higher than what you would need to prevent you know, or to at least stop some of sarcopenia. So if we're trying to get around that, say, 0.7 to 1 gram per pound intake, which I think would probably be plenty for a uh, active older individual, that's still probably far below the threshold where that would cause any kind of undue kidney stress. Uh,
0: and we're just dancing on ahead of a pin here. Uh, what's the... Age that we're talking about for elderly, like what's the cutoff? And be gentle because I'm older all the time. So,
2: (laughs) good question. You know, the funny thing is, uh, is research it it gives the shaft to to certain populations and not others, and not always the way you'd expect. So, for example, we have a ton of research on uh, elderly men and women uh, for, for, for these reasons of knowing this stuff. And we have a lot of research on college age students, both men and women because they're, we we have access to them, but there's a real dearth of, uh, of information on middle-aged men. We have a fair amount on middle-aged women because we study menopause and when Mm. it comes on. Um, but if you are, let's say 35 to let's say early fifties, there's not a lot of data on you, Mm. uh, which includes me now that I've turned 35, which is, uh, which is sad. Middle-aged, but, um, bro.
1: Middle-aged. I'm,
2: yes, technically middle-aged. I'm not very happy about that, but <laughs> here we are. What can you do? Um, but I would say that the data that we do have suggests this is happening in your 60s. Could okay. it be happening earlier? Uh, possibly. And, and I imagine it's not like all, all of a sudden one day you, know, you flip a switch and muscle protein synthesis is dampened. I imagine it's a continuum, and it probably has a lot to do with how active you stay as well. You know, muscle is, uh, is is living tissue, and if you keep substrates moving across it, if you keep it contracting uh, into, into older age, there's a lot of data that would suggest a lot of the age-associated losses of muscle mass um, are primarily caused by a, uh, a loss of activity. So basically, keep moving as long as you can, and, and you may not even have to worry about this as much as I'm making it sound like it's an issue. But from what we know, once you hit your 60s, it's not a bad idea to make sure you're maintaining that protein intake.
0: Makes sense. So uh, here's another question uh, relative to protein. Does your body care whether you're ingesting lean protein or, or protein that is mixed with fat or mixed with carbohydrates or whatever, and, and just in terms of, of processing it for use?
2: For the most part, no, um, because it, it will slow down digestion mechanics. So if you were to uh, take in protein with a bolus of fat, it would get into your bloodstream a little slower, so you'd see a different time course of uh, rise in in, in blood amino acid levels. Um, But as far as how that would impact uh, muscle growth or repair or anything like that, it would be pretty negligible in in the grand scheme of things. Uh, The only reason why you would think about whether you wanted lean protein uh, versus a fattier protein is considering just your total energy needs. So someone who was just trying to consume less total energy or more might choose a leaner or fattier cut just to get their calories up or down.
1: To go the other way, too, people talk about um, getting a bunch of simple sugars in with some protein, maybe a, a round of workout to speed up that recovery and things. Is that, is that a thing or is it uh, still pretty negligible?
2: Well, it, this, this one depends a little more on the individual and what type of training they're doing and what type of training they're going to do rather than uh, it being coupled with protein. So back in the day, if we're talking late '90s, early 2000s, we used to think, hey, you want to definitely take a lot of simple sugars with protein post-workout because it will spike insulin, uh, and that'll drive uh, you know nutrients into the cell. It'll help with muscle glycogen replenishment, and it'll um, you know suppress muscle protein breakdown, and you'll get a better anabolic response. Um, however, we kind of failed to 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 pay attention to the fact that uh, protein in and of itself, and specifically amino acids like leucine. Also drive insulin up, which uh, which pushes you know muscle protein breakdown uh, down, and uh, it's it's probably not necessary from a muscle building standpoint uh, to take in carbohydrate with protein. Uh, however, if you are someone who is doing like a high volume of glycogen depleting depleting training, uh, whether that is you know like CrossFit or endurance training, or let's say you're doing concurrent training where you have to do cardio with weights, whether you're in a team sport like let's say you play American football or rugby, or whether you're a dieting bodybuilder who's got a two-a-day schedule with, with cardio, um, then you might want to consider getting that carbohydrate in post-workout when you are glycogen depleted because it will get preferentially and quickly stored as glycogen so that when you have to train again later in that day, uh, you won't be in a, a slightly fatigued state. So that's really only a concern of like multi-stage endurance athletes, team sport athletes doing two-a-days, uh, you know, CrossFitters doing multiple events, that type of thing. If you're an average bodybuilder, powerlifter, or a big weightlifter, uh, having carbohydrates post-workout is not necessary, but it's totally fine, and it's a decent time just to throw in some calories if you need it.
0: So it, we talked a little bit about uh, ketogenic diets and their reliance on, uh, on fat and sort of a moderate amount of protein, and, and obviously very low carbohydrate. But uh, what we've been told is that someone who overeats protein in a ketogenic state uh, can kick themselves out of ketosis because excess protein is becoming carbohydrate?
2: Yeah. So the, the basically, the higher protein intake you have, uh, the greater percentage of it gets converted into uh, other substrates via the liver. Uh, a lot of that is carbohydrate to the process of gluconeogenesis. Um, however, I think to go back to the root of your question, the real question is, is, if you're on a ketogenic diet, does it matter if you're actually in ketosis or not? Uh, and I think, yeah, and, and I, I can dive into that if you want. Is that, is that something you are with?
1: keto's so hot right now, you know? Yeah, you might as well. In. Let's dive in.
2: For sure. Let's go down the rabbit hole. <laughs> So yeah, ketogenic diets are interesting. Uh, they play out a little bit differently in the research versus the real world, um, and there's a lot of misunderstandings around them. So in the real world, if you just have someone cut out their carbs and go on a ketogenic diet, they typically drastically in- increase their protein intake. Mm-hmm. Now, I think this is a good thing. Um, if someone goes keto, they, they, they will sometimes as much as double their protein intake. Simply, you, if you take away one-third of your, your food options, you're going to eat more of the other two and a lot of uh, protein sources are coupled with fat. So you start eating fattier cuts of meats, you start eating whole eggs, you start eating cheese, etc. All of a sudden, you're, you're well into that 0. 0.7 to 1 gram per pound range. And If you are also starting a fitness plan while you're doing keto, or if you're a lifter, or if you are under-eating protein before, you might see good results just as a function of eating a higher protein diet. Now, in the lab setting, where sometimes people are using ketogenic diets for clinical purposes, and they actually do care about... Uh, whether you're in a state of nutritional ketosis or not, um, they, there might be concerns of, "Hey, I, I actually don't want you eating that much protein to where you're converting it into other substrates and then, uh, you know, lowering the, the, the ketones that are in your body." Um, but that shouldn't be a concern of the average person who's using uh, a low low carb, high fat diet for uh, fitness purposes or, or shaping up or, or, or trying something new or et cetera, uh, because Actually being in ketosis is, in my, in my opinion, not what's um, causing the, the quote-unquote magic. Um, so what you will see in research is that most of the time, and we've done some of these studies, uh, where you, if you take someone's carbs down a lot and you give them ad libitum fat, and even if you control their protein intake, there's now been a few studies that have shown this, because it used to be a debate around uh, are people being more satiated and eating less on a ketogenic diet because they're eating more protein? Uh, or is it something else? Uh, and protein's part of it. But in studies where you control protein and put them on a high-fat, low-carb diet, there also seems to be a temporary reduction in calories and an increase in satiety. Now, this lasts typically about one to four weeks. Uh, and what people will do is typically spontaneously reduce their calorie intake, and they'll lose body fat. So it kind of feels like you're you're dieting without uh, being hungry initially. Um, some would describe it as you're dieting without trying. But it depends on what bothers you about diets. If if not being able to eat, you know, two thirds of the food in the grocery store and and eating out's a problem, and now you can't have carbohydrate based foods that you like, then that can be a big big detriment to adherence. And you might very well feel like you're dying, dieting because you can't eat, uh, you know, bread or pasta or rice or that much fruit, et cetera. So uh, the the reason ketogenic diets seem to work is because they suppress hunger initially and on top of that additional water loss that you get because you're eating lower carbohydrates, uh, which are stored in the body with glycogen, uh, and you typically see a reduction in water and body fat and and calories all at the same time, uh, you get a substantial weight loss initially, and you feel like, oh, this diet isn't that hard. Um, But ketogenic diets aren't all good, in my opinion. Um, You also have to think about uh, the type of training you're doing. Uh, If you are doing high-volume Um, resistance training that is glycogen depleting. Uh, There was a study uh, in CrossFitters that showed that they weren't able to get quite as many reps that almost reached statistical significance. So I think that had some practical relevance. Uh, There's also a number of studies that are out now showing that you might be able to preserve uh, strength performance if you're doing kind of like low-volume Olympic lifting or or powerlifting. However, there does seem to be some losses in muscle mass that happen in the long run. Um, So there are some reasons why... Uh, mechanistically, we could speculate as to how being low in carbohydrates might inhibit hypertrophy. Um, but I think so long as it's not a long-term strategy, if you were to have a strength athlete who for, say, four to eight weeks decided to go on a you know, higher-fat, lower-carb diet uh, to try to cut some weight and then started reintroducing carbohydrate to maintain that, I think that's totally fine. I just don't think it should be a steady-state and long-term thing for anyone who's interested in building muscle.
0: So a question, that, that's, that's actually really good information. Um, the question that we came up with is, uh, can you store or can protein be stored as fat or, or converted to fat for storage?
2: That's a great question. And this one causes a lot of confusion. Um, so I think sometimes we look at nutrients and we try to trace them through the body to see what they do specifically. But we also have to think about what effects they have on other nutrients so it's very, very difficult for protein to actually get directly converted into fat. Um, and it happens in such a small amount that it's almost not worth talking about. However, when more and more of your diet comes from protein, and you're now converting proteins into carbohydrates, and like we were talking about the gluconeogenesis, mm-hmm. and let's say you go beyond your energy needs, uh, that means the fat in your diet is not going to be used for energy. So that means it will get stored. So if you are eating in a large calorie surplus and a huge percentage of that was protein. Yeah, none of that protein would be getting turned into fat, but a lot of the dietary fat that was in your diet as well would. However, uh, practically, it still is difficult to store much fat on a super high protein diet because protein is very satiating. And protein is also energetically expensive to turn into carbohydrate. So it's got to go to the liver, it's got to get broken down and then converted into uh, glucose uh, or, or other substrates before it can then, you know, be used for energy directly. Uh, there are some amino acids that can be used directly for energy in the muscle, but it's not the, the primary way that happens. So, what ends up happening when you're on a very high protein diet, and uh, Jose Antonio has done a fair amount of research on this, is you typically don't gain as much uh, body fat or body weight as you'd expect, and sometimes it doesn't happen at all. Now, these aren't tightly controlled laboratory studies, so typically what I think is happening is you tell your participants, hey, I want you to get in two grams per pound of protein and then they try really hard but they never get there and you know they get sick of protein shakes and their total energy intake just kind of goes down as their protein intake goes up Um, so it's through a combination of burning more calories through that conversion and just being so full you can't put any more down in a practical sense even though a higher protein diet if it drives up calories could result in fat storage in in the real world it very rarely ends up uh, resulting in, in you getting fatter if you were to go on like a 60% protein diet or something like that
1: makes sense
0: so rolling back we were, we were talking earlier about essential amino acids like wh- how many are there because we have a number down here and we're, we're, our question is whether or not we've gotten this correct
2: Oh, is this a test where I have to know how if, if I get no, the number of essential no, amino acids? <laughs> no, this is this
0: is this is a test to see if we are are yeah. are. Anywhere there might not near. even
1: be a number. Maybe yeah. I thought there was a number. There's the number eight crawling around in my head yeah. for something in nutrition, and I don't know if it's a amino, uh, amino acids. No, or that's not. right. It's
2: eight. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, there's there's eight essential amino acids. You and, guys win.
1: And I you dropped out play. of college. Come on, kids. Come on, kids.
2: <laughs> that's 15 year old uh, knowledge just stuck in my brains.
0: So did well. So I guess a wrap-up question would be this. Uh, What is it about protein that you think that most people misunderstand?
2: I think most people think of protein as – I've heard a lot of people just see protein as this kind of black and white, good or bad thing. And most people uh, will see it as good unless they are like really deep in kind of the vegan camp. Then they'll typically see it as bad and associated with ill health. Um, I've had people say, oh, I'm, I'm really low in energy. I should go have some protein. Which I think is a fundamental misunderstanding. It it is great for build and repair and your structure, and you need it, and it can be helpful for satiety and making sure that the long term adaptations to your training are in place. Um, But if you don't have uh, the energy substrates, carbohydrate, and fats in your diet, it's going to be very difficult to have good training sessions. Um, You know, there are people like we talked about with ketogenic, you know, after that first couple weeks where you're feeling kind of jacked up as you adapt to it, where you can certainly fuel your training. Uh, so long as it's not too high volume on a ketogenic diet. And there are obviously the traditional route of doing a higher carb diet, which is probably better for performance on the whole. Uh, But regardless, whether it's carbs or fat, you need more energy uh, to to actually have energy to train, and that's very important. So don't get so protein-focused that you're on this very high-protein diet with minimal carbs and minimal fat, which is a trap that many dieting athletes fall into. I
1: got a wrap-up, wrap-up question. What's your favorite protein meal or source?
2: I'd have to say sushi. If I get some sashimi, I'd be mm. a happy meal. Game on.
1: Game on. Uh, Eric, thanks for having uh, coming on. Uh, pleasure to have you. Where can people find you?
2: Uh, this is my pleasure to be on. And you can check uh, me and my collective out at 3dmusclejourney.com. And from there, there's links to my books, my research review. And then if you want to see just some cool old school bodybuilders along with some humor, some articles and links to what I'm speaking, check me out on Instagram at Helms3DMJ.
0: Awesome. Thank you very much, Eric. My pleasure. Okay, we'd like to uh, once again thank Eric Helms for being our inaugural guest on this uh, this new program, this new project. Uh, it's awesome to work with Mike again. Uh, missed it. like I can't even begin to tell you. Uh, you can find me on social media everywhere as the Jim McD. and the show is available as 50% facts. So 50 50 percent spelled out like a word and facts and uh, pretty much every place that we're going to get it set up. I'm not even sure at this point where it's going to be. Ladies and gentlemen, be sure to share with your friends. Do us a favor and subscribe.
1: You can follow me, Silent Mike with 2Ks on Instagram and Twitter. Send us your questions on Twitter, and uh, we'll catch you in the next one.